Hey there, Tom here, or Tom Pot, as you may know me, or realistically, you probably don't know me at all. I uh, just want to welcome you to the Pop Cult Pod feed, where I post all my podcasts, and uh, this one is a little bit different. It's a remembrance, a tribute, I still haven't got the right terminology, a look-back podcast on uh, on Phoenix Wrestling, which was uh, pivotal to the Cork wrestling scene here in Ireland. And yeah, it's been in the works for a while, sorry it took so long, but it was really tricky getting a, a schedule that just worked for everyone involved and also gathering all the messages and I have to say right off the bat thank you so much there was an overwhelming amount of comments and messages sent in and because of that <laughs> this is now going to be a four-part mini-series uh, of podcasts released every Friday with the final episode dropping just before the new wrestling promotion Cork Rebel County Wrestling kicks off on Saturday November 5th in the Kino in Cork City tickets for that are available on eventbrite.ie so remember remember the 5th of November enjoy the show You're listening to a pop cult pod. Welcome to We Were Phoenix, a tribute remembering past glories of Phoenix Wrestling, which was a highlight of the Cork Wrestling scene these last few years and as we're at the, the precipice of a new promotion in Cork Wrestling we thought it only fitting to look back and look at what was uh, I am your cult leader Tom Pot. I was the ring announcer for plenty of Phoenix shows in recent memory and I'm joined by one of the professional wrestlers himself uh, Dean O'Power How are you Tom? And I'm joined by a performer, promoter and co-founder of Phoenix Wrestling Billy Bedlam Tom those things Tom I, I'm, I'm a little bit um this is the first time I was on a podcast, which it took me to close Phoenix Wrestling uh, for you did. to finally invite us yeah. onto a podcast. I mean, yeah. I've been trying to get onto the. I know, st- look, I know Marvel. Look, Matt's, you know, Matt's Garvin, look, and Marilyn Armstrong all over. I know shit, look. I feel like this is going to be like a fucking bit of misery or something where I'm going to be locked to the bed after the yeah. podcast. Well, we'll see. This is my first podcast, period. Is it? Well, we did that one test one before. I don't think I got put out anymore. I can't remember that one. We did that in the old gym. So, you and Skylar. So what a way Oh yes, <laughs> the gobshites, yeah, we were nearly going to do that. Anyway, Tom, yeah, what thanks a way for to, uh, no, what a way to start it off, I suppose. I mean, what a first podcast is kind of the end of something as well. Mm, true. But right. yeah, we're um, now we're recording this, well, a bit late, we kind of had this in the books for ages, but here we are uh, at the start of October, nearly two months away from now since uh, Phoenix closed Bedlam. So yeah. how are you feeling now, two months out uh, with <laughs> the end of Phoenix? Seems like a lot longer, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, Ah, fuck it, I'm feeling okay. It's okay to swear once or twice. Oh, yeah. That's Sorry, okay. Um, it's, um... Oh, the dust has settled on it now a little bit, you know? I mean, it was very raw at the time, and um, it was very emotional, and kind of a bumpy road towards the end, especially in the days afterwards, right? So, um, yeah, I'm, um, I am delighted the way we were able to present the product. I'm happy that it's over now. And I'm looking forward to um, doing something a little bit different in RCW. But yeah, absolutely. The, it, the, the two months out, I think the, it's a little bit easier to, to kind of, you know, to reflect, I suppose. Reflect, yeah. I'm glad we waited, actually, because I think it would have been probably too much of emotion charged I think you're right, yeah. um, if it was right afterwards and whatnot. And I was very thankful of, of everybody, all their messages of support afterwards when I was, uh, that three weeks that I was out of wrestling. Um but uh, I decided to not go out of wrestling and come back right in and with our yeah, sure. I mean, Dean, you have been with Phoenix since the beginning. What were your own thoughts when you found Phoenix was was at an end? Um, 
Well, I'll just correct you there off the bat. I wasn't there at the very beginning, I don't no. think. I'm I was at the first show and I helped out. I oh, wasn't yeah, there. Maybe like the yeah. first kind of year I was kind of in and out. Yeah, no, mm. okay. Just dealing with my own stuff. But yeah, for the last two or three years, before COVID, like, uh, I'm there since then. Yeah. But uh, it was always class. Like, when Phoenix first started, it was all the best people from what once was, you know, coming together and making something new. And it's going to be the same thing around this time around, you know what I mean? Good people coming together to make something good. There's a lot of great shit to look back on Phoenix and a lot of great stuff to look forward to. Definitely. I mean, I think, like, if we're going to talk about Phoenix, I think we kind of need to talk about, I suppose, how it came about, uh, how it began. What do you think Bedlam kind of led to Phoenix becoming a thing? Here a look. And the need for it. Yeah, I suppose the last year of CCW, I suppose, not a lot of people were happy. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on in the back with the promoter not going to go all into that now again that's no. been hashed a loads of times but basically what was happening was a little bit a lot of um, we're a bit disgruntled and the, one of the major issues was the ring the ring was unsafe yeah. there was there was unsafe yeah. conditions <laughs> it was an unsafe place to be at, the, at towards the end right whatever about Lee being a absolute lunatic um, I think you know, we all have some very specific uh, spinal issues from working out. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think uh, I think towards the end we were, like I'd have been I was talking to Ricky Combat quite aggressively about starting something, and myself and Luke were talking about it a lot. lot when I came. I heard the whispers. My name's strong, and then like Luke was always of the opinion that CCW would just fade out but I was like no we're the ones that are going to have to kill it like yeah. and um, we got our ducks in a row and we went we bought a ring and all that, and that but it was it was basically out of the necessity to really want to do something on our own and not want to do something else and um, I think the crowds had really diminished from CCW the, uh, and and yeah it was a damaged brand towards the very I think end I think well, something I noticed about CCW and I kind of when I came in CCW it was maybe about a year and a half before yeah. you know it wrapped up it was very much a case where towards the end and you know having been a fan of it at first and then being somewhat involved in it mm. it really felt like it moved from being a resting crowd to being a drinking crowd yeah uh, yeah and that That's became active, a yeah. big fucking issue yeah um i mean speaking of drinking i know that was a terrible segue we're going to go into our drinking routes because i said this would be like an irish wake one last time phoenix wrestling is asking you to break out the bag of cans so here's a few drinking rules if you're playing along at home anytime someone mentions another promotion take a drink uh, at one point, Butch was going to be here, and I got a lot of messages from people Butch has partnered with. Uh, two of them are right here, so take two drinks right away. <laughs> to somebody who has partnered with Butch ever, take a drink. If we mention anyone's real name instead of their wrestling name, you have to take a drink. If you learn a bit of Phoenix trivia that perhaps you didn't know, take a drink. So if you uh, mention any wrestler, Butch has you have to drink. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest. There's If we had a message, just you might as well just take a drink and be safe. Yeah. Well, my name is Dino. I'm sitting here next to Billy Bedlam. And, uh, <laughs> and we're looking up at my one half of Tag Team yeah. Championships and Titanic. Basically, I'm the only one here who is not tagged with Butch uh, in real life. So, you know. I'll book that. Sure you will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, aside from that, take a drink. Uh, if you hear anyone get emotional, if you get a bit of emotion in yourself. I'm not going to be keeping tally of that. So, you know, just keep it in mind. Have a bit of an old sip away there, and uh, you're going to need it uh, because it could be a, a bit of a long one. We have quite a lot of messages, lads, uh, not just from performers but from fans, uh, and that that's kind of one of the reasons I felt like a podcast was needed. Originally, this was going to be something quite small, where I was just going to say people are always asking me how I get involved in wrestling. That was my chance to say that, but it actually kind of became a thing where it just didn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just didn't feel appropriate for what I think he built here. 
If we're going back to the beginning of Phoenix Wrestling, it only seems right that we should hear from the co-founder of Phoenix Wrestling, a man addicted to violence who I believe is currently getting treatment. But of course, if he's doing that, he's getting it in Armstrong country. Let's hear from Luke Barry, a.k.a. Marion Armstrong. My name is Marion Armstrong and I am addicted to mother flipping violence. What is the crack, Tom? What is the crack, Pop Cult Pod and all the listeners? Um, I'm just going to give a little bit of an insight into my view of Phoenix and I suppose some of the key moments that come to mind. Um, obviously, the most recent one for me is that epic comeback that happened, uh, completely engineered by Billy Bedlam himself talked me into it, talked me into doing this comeback and I was absolutely shitting my cacks that nobody would have a clue who I was. I'd, I'd been away from the actual wrestling ring for three years. I'd been away from Phoenix for close to two years and the fear for me was that I was going to walk in and people were going to be like, who's this fat asshole walking to the ring with a baseball bat over his shoulder? Um, luckily that wasn't the case and it was one of the greatest moments of my life in terms of um, feeling in terms of I don't know like I've, I've been involved in cork wrestling say since the age of 14 and a half 15 I worked on my first wrestling show at 15 and at 34 years of age to walk into a venue with my entrance music playing and have the place go absolutely apeshit was something surreal and something that made me feel like I hadn't wasted my life and that um, that's completely down to Billy Bedlam Kieran Lynch giving me that opportunity to do that it's completely down to the fans in Phoenix Wrestling and the community that was built there and the actual all out love that those people have for local talent for people who I suppose they just go out of their way to, to, to make you feel special to make you feel good and that's why those fans are incredible I don't even want to use the word fans it, those people those those uh, those people who just attend the shows, the fans, I suppose is the word, but I don't want to call them fans because they're not. They're more than that. They're family, they're community. When we said we are Phoenix when we started originally, that's what we meant. And that's what it was. Um, the other two things that come to mind when I think of Phoenix Wrestling are number one, Tom Potter, it includes you. It is when <laughs> myself, Billy Bedlam, Matt Skyler, Not About Our Podcast folk who are coming back with Not About Our Podcast this week, uh, when we all decided to um, sack tap Tom in the middle of a wrestling show while he was trying to do his best professional ring announcing. And we all did. And other wrestlers just got involved, not really knowing what was going on, just Tom was just getting ball shots left, right and centre as the show went on. But the number one thing that I think of when I think of Phoenix Wrestling is the first ever show. The first ever show, right? The main event was a Fatal 4-Way match, a Phoenix 4-Way. And none of us knew that it was happening, but myself, Billy Bedlam and Steve Savage, who were all the most instrumental people in creating Phoenix and starting Phoenix, we all went out to watch the main event, not together or anything. We were all at, not opposite sides of the room, but we were all at different sides of the room watching the main event. And we all just caught each other's eyes all at the same time when the crowd were all chanting, we are Phoenix. We are Phoenix. Do, 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 do. We are Phoenix. And me, Steve, Bedlam all caught each other's eyes. And there was just this look in all of our faces and it just made it all worth it. We all lost money. We all lost probably friends. We all lost family members because we put all of our effort and all of our time into this mad shit that was Phoenix Wrestling. But at that moment we all knew that it was going to be okay. We all knew that it was worth it. We all knew that we were doing something special. Uh, we were here. We were ready. 
we were Phoenix. That was it. It was fucking amazing to be a part of. And I hope everybody who was a part of Phoenix, um, whether it be people in the crowd, people in the ring, knows how special it was and how incredible it was to be a part of it. Uh, thanks for having me be a part of it. Thanks for having me be a part of this. Um, it was unbelievable. Thanks, guys. So, yeah, great to hear from Luke there. Of course, he was very pivotal in, in setting up Phoenix. And that, you know, he was talking about the very first show. I mean... It's hard to explain if you weren't there how big that show felt for Cork Wrestling when they had Fuck's Sake, not another wrestling company. July twenty seventh, twenty eighteen. Which man Four years ago. Oh, four years gone, yeah. It doesn't feel four years ago when you think about it. What went into making this a reality for you, Bedlam? Well, it was easy on paper to put stuff down, right, and go, I plan this and plan that, but as we were coming up towards show day, it got a bit more real. Like we we put we set up the ring the night before. We were not we were not worried about the setup, yeah. Because we only bought the ring like two weeks before that. It was delayed. We we got anyway. We we had the ring for two weeks, and just the whole setup in the keynote was our first time being in there. We were in there with CCW. It was com- this was a complete not a different setup with lights yeah. and everything. It was a different ball game altogether. Whereas. Um, we were just so nervous about it. And then wrestlers started coming in, and and on the on the Friday, um, after we had to deal with the ta- the revenue commissioner coming in first and foremost, we can maybe talk about that some other time. But um, yeah, it was just it was just it was it was a release of emotion. I think for me, anyway, in particular, I remember that that what Luke was saying there was I was actually standing pretty close to him, and was Bruiser. I think got a chant of "We Are Phoenix" going because we they were Bruiser, they were cheering for Bruiser, and he was like, "No, no we are Phoenix." And um, yeah, it was it was it was brilliant because it was it was that was a packed house that first night. Like, like Cork Wrestling was crying out for that first show, I believe, because there had been a big gap in the market for a while. I mean, CCW had been down in the Commons outside the city, and the yeah. numbers had been dwindling, and the wrestling fans had really gone. But yeah. it no, really, it really yeah. it was a great night. It felt like a real statement to get the Kino back there because CCW mm. had not shown the Kino since. Was it in the March yeah. of 2017 at least at latest no but the thing about it is, is that's a good point I'd forgotten about this and I suppose as we're going through this podcast I'll be remembering stuff that, yeah, I, that I hadn't and thought of in a while um, we wouldn't have pulled the trigger without the keynote mm-hmm. like we were on a, I was in a holding pattern and I suppose I was I drove this on this, the Phoenix thing more so, more so than, than uh, Luke and Steve to a certain extent right mm-hmm. I definitely was dro- drove it on from an organisation perspective and it was like going, come on lads, we got to do this and yeah. let's get their finances together and I, I was the one who organised the ring and all this kind of stuff. Um, but uh, I do remember the first day myself and Luke went up to the Kino and we met the new owners and they were humming and hawing and they, we were like, we were we were trying to sell them to the fact that we weren't CCW and they weren't they, they weren't really buying it because mm. they were like, oh, well, last time we heard about wrestling, there was holes in the walls and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And I said, look, have a think about it and come back and I went back up Two weeks later, and I did a deposit in my hand and everything. I was like terrified he'd say no because if he said no, everything was we weren't going to go up against Lee without a venue, like without the keynote because we knew that was the key. To, the keys, the key to Cork wrestling is the keynote, yeah, yeah. always. Absolutely. So um, when he when he said yes and we gave him the deposit, I remember I I rang. I was ringing around everyone. Let's do. We're going. We're going. We're going. Fucking or in the ring the next day, it was just like boom, we're there, you know. Yeah. So that was a really big moment in the keynote. As as we're going to find out again, we're hopefully with RCW is is key to, to everything we do, you know. Yeah, it absolutely felt like as soon as I saw the shows in the keynote, I was like, okay, this is this is real. This is something major here we have. Mm. And yeah, I mean, geez, like me and Carl, my first show in the keynote was like, now I've now I feel like I've I've crossed it off the bucket list, you know. Yeah. Dean, you said you were right there at the first show along with me. 
what were your thoughts on that first show? What like the atmosphere is oh, not describable by me. It was fucking class. It was amazing. There was just some buzz in the air and the keynote as well. Since the last time we've been there before, that it looked different, wouldn't it? It was done up. Oh yeah, yeah. it was. It was pretty run down. Uh, it was. Yeah. It was really a, a really converted cinema. The first time we were there with CCW. Yeah. I mean, it was so these con- turned into, floors. It, was like a, it turned into like more of a bar than yeah, after. It was yeah. Kind of multi-purpose yeah. almost. Whereas the first one. So was like, like you know, like yeah. I don't know what center. I don't know what it is about the keynote, like. Such a special feeling, isn't it? It is, yeah. I don't know what it is like when you're in there. You're in a different place, like, and it's such a small building on the outside. And like, even though we're going to be how many people there, average? Well, it was uh, well, two hundred fifty. Yeah, yeah, three, four hundred, yeah, something like that. Thirty-seven thousand people yeah. in the Silverdome, brother. I'd say it was eighty-five thousand the first day. But if least. it would feel like eighty-five thousand, is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? And even though, like, it was the ask any of the wrestlers, like, it's the tightest fucking change room ever. It's a bollocks, like, bollocks the but it's fucking room. worth it. Like, you know what I mean? It is, yeah. It is something. I remember, like, as a fan coming into it, it felt like a show that was like CCW versus OTT. It was like yeah. you kind of or something you'd kind of fantasize about that never seemed possible. Yeah, like I saw wrestlers in that show that I hadn't seen perform. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, well, we we made a concerted effort myself and Luke to like at the time as well. Remember, um, Raven Creed had just broken into OTT. The Armstrongs had gotten booked in OTT. So Cork Wrestling was try was was immer- was was immersing themselves in the scene a little bit more, mm. um, and we wanted to bring people down like more than hype had never wrestled in Cork, which was mm. a joke. There was um, loads of people who hadn't loads of people until yeah. Phoenix, and I yeah. noticed that immediately. Like, yeah. we got we got uh, we got the wards involved. Uh, yeah. that, that was a real kind of tip of the hat, I think. Yeah. Fair play to Joe; he gave us this kind of seal of approval. I think anyway, by even working the first couple of shows. With that us. was one of the main. When I think of that show, that's one of the spots that pops in my history. I was looking at Joe Cabrera with dive, like you know I mean? yeah, yeah. That was, but it was important for us to 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 try and make a splash. And we were like, if we can get him, and we get Terry, Terry Thatcher hadn't wrestled in Cork either. Yeah, I, uh, he had he one, not at all. He did one show as the the dragon, the, I remember the Irish that, dragon, yeah, yeah, years yeah. ago, but not to the level where he should have been. Yeah, um, I look yeah. at look at Justy. Sure, I don't remember him wrestling much in Cork before. Like. Uh, he was he was towards yeah. the latter part. He was towards the very end, yeah. but like, come on, you know, yeah, yeah, no, really shining the phoenix like, uh, all over majorly like, with the Cork. It immediately came off as this is something different. This is yeah. what Cor- what Irish wrestling and Cork wrestling kind of should be. It least, wasn't just a continuation know? of the same. Exactly, thing, like, it wasn't the, just new paint job. You know, all the talk was backed up. Like, yeah, you look at like some of the matches in that first show. More than hype versus flight mode, like Steve Savage versus LJ Cleary, Raven Creed mm-hmm. versus Valkyrie. Just to name a few, know, yeah. top to bottom, was just like an amazing. Billy Bedlam versus Nikki. Nick Bedlam, oh, yeah, not to leave that out. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, one person I do want to talk. We had a kind of a, a debut on that show, and not a conventional debut, as obviously with a lot of people coming. But this was someone who had been on the Cork scene, but showed a very different side of themselves. And I'm talking about Derek Debbie. So let's hear from the first and the last Empress of Phoenix Wrestling, Debbie Keitel. So obviously, like, there's many highlights um, for me um, being able to debut for Phoenix. Um, with a new gimmick and a new persona, um, Dark Debbie, if you will. Um, that was very exciting um, to be a part of the very first show. And obviously then, you know, winning the Empress Championship as well. But the funny story with that is, I don't know if Billy or Luke have, have ever told anyone, in that, that day of the show, the belt was trapped in customs. And obviously... It was going to be the big unveiling of the Empress Championship belt, and they didn't have the, it. It didn't arrive on time. It was stuck in customs, so they had to do this kind of create this makeshift belt, um, and they had to put it in this cover. And Luke Barry's um, uh, 
fiance had to bedazzle it to make it look really like pristine and like special but nobody could actually see the belt or what was inside this cover so the unveiling was just this cover covered in diamonds on on this little table and we had to come up with a way that the audience couldn't see you know, couldn't see that we didn't actually have the belt. Um, so we had, myself and Jussie had to come up with an idea to cover that up at the end when I won the championship. Um, so we we did it so that like he, he came in, helped me win, and then he grabbed the championship and we both ran off with it so that nobody could see the unveiling. And then like a week later, the belt was dropped off at my house and I took a picture of me with it. And it was the first time that anyone had even seen it, even me. And I just think that is such a typical wrestling story because no wrestling show ever goes to plan. And, you know, to have built up this big feud for the Empress Championship and then the championship not even being there and having to pretend it is. It was just really, really funny. And I just think that's 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 a story for the books. Yeah, so the debut of, of Derek Debbie was uh, a great moment because I know personally, <laughs> I, I might have been the only one singing along to her theme song down in Mexico. I was like, oh, oh I love that tune. Oh, yeah, I love that. Death From Proof. Death Proof. I was yeah. going to say, if, if there's anyone that's a fan of Tarantino, it must be Debbie, because I was, we were, me and another buddy of mine were just blaring at it. Even for, yeah. We were probably meant to be booing. But, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, we'll get more into uh, the winning of that. that title, but yeah, she definitely confirmed something. I'd all suspected that the, that the belt wasn't there, but like, <laughs> it made it even better to me because I was like, oh, that, oh, God damn my fucking haters. You're not even going to show us the belt. Yeah. Oh, it was brilliant though. But yeah, I mean, that felt like something that uh, I kind of pushed Debbie to the next level and the level she's still at now. So it was fantastic. But Dark Debbie's debut was class, and they had a, they, she had a she had a banger of a match mm-hmm. when Butch and uh, Amy yeah, Armstrong yeah, dressed yeah. up as oh, the two Debbies. That was brilliant. Was that the first show? No, it was the second. No, show. I was going to say because I thought it was the second show. Right? It was the second show. That was the most yeah. like oh my god the, moment I ever had in person. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like what? I didn't have a clue that was going to happen. Like no words backstage. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't them. know how to react to it. I was like, this is. This I thought it was her music came on when she was in the ring. So I was like, is this a botch or something? Oh no, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The show was ruined. Fucking music. Oh, that was all Marion Armstrong. Sexy Butch. You mean his tag team partner, Marion Armstrong? His tag team partner, Marion Armstrong. There you go. Oh, I should also say, any bit of trivia, have another drink sub. That we didn't have the title of the first show, that take a drink there. But do you know what the title? I'm looking at the title from the first show, right? See, the, that's an inter, that's the intercontinental. Well, it's not the one, but the intercontinental belt, right? You have to so get back to the room. Basically, Luke had the intercontinental belt. And, and Debbie was right, the feckin' thing was stuck in customs. It arrived the next day. Yeah. I was freaking at your man who didn't post it on yeah. time. Oh man, I swear to God. Yeah. He was there to be delivered on a Saturday. I was like, they don't fucking deliver on Ireland on a Saturday. Post it. Anyway, it worked out. But um, to be fair, I know Justy Debbie came up with the finish, but Raven Creed and um, Amy Lanzi carried out yeah. a fucking banger of a uh, of a main event yeah. uh, Raven was involved under under the hood as as the unicorn oh, yeah, but, the, but the way they did it 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 it, it totally masked over um, it totally masked over the, the problem we had I was so devastated with the problem I don't think I knew about that at all maybe even last on the day like last minute do you want to get in the ring and be one of the cause that, was that when they did the separation thing yeah yeah, right, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I mean that was, I was on the first Phoenix show. So there you go. That was second. That, no, that was the first year anniversary. That wasn't the first. Year. I have oh, there you go. I have the boards into the truck on the first Phoenix show. If that counts, when I was half locked. So there you go. That's half the job. <laughs> there you go. That's half the job, there, brother. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in no, all fairness, that was a great story. I might yeah. forgotten about that. And yeah. yeah, myself and Luke drove up to Dublin then to give Debbie the belt. 
Like, like a week, week later, yeah. yeah. Good I times, Debbie. That show in general, uh, I you can't not talk about the main event itself. Um, Bruiser, Terry Thatcher, Ricky Combat, Michael May, which kind of felt like a, a real sort of coming together of different strands of the Irish wrestling mm. scene. Um, yeah. And what was an absolute banger. Uh, what was it to booking that uh, that main event? How, how did you get in, everyone in touch and not everyone on the same page? Alan? It was, it came together pretty easy, to be honest with you. Um, I, 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 because we kind of sat down and we went, okay, well, the whole narrative of the story was Ricky Combat's change from Ricky Combat to Ricky Graham and uh, the, 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 the bottle, the bottling of Terry Thatcher, right? Uh-huh. That, that bottle was supposed to be used for me and Bruiser in CCW, but we never, Lee never gave us the green light to do mm-hmm. the feud that we wanted to do, which we did get into eventually in Phoenix. But um, that, so we worked away backwards from there. We knew, like, you, you don't, when you're booking, when you're booking Michael May to wrestle, when you're booking Terry Thatcher to wrestle, you don't need to go and tell them what to do. No. You, they are, without a shadow of a doubt, and LJ Cleary as well, um, the best wrestlers on this on on this this island. Okay, mm-hmm. and you, they just what you what you want. They just always say what you want, and I tell them what they want, and they go and have a wrestling match. And I, I loved that about Phoenix. I, just not in general, and not and most of the time, I was just like this is what I want. Um, given whatever finish, or like I, I'm I'm not. I don't have twenty years wrestling experience. I know I'm not a coach. I'm a, I'm I'm a promoter. Like, and I like I I like, I know what I like, and I might give somebody some guidelines. But they go in with wrestlers. I'm paying them to wrestle, like, and and by and large, they always delivered to what I asked them. But that, and that main event was no different. Um, a lot of people were surprised with Bruiser. Bruiser pulled a banger of a, a wrestling match. He, he really showed, that yeah, night. another side of himself. In he did a kid of another gear. Yeah, but everyone must forget that Bruiser can wrestle. Like he can go. He was wrestling a long time. Um, he mightn't have shown it in in in, in CCW or whatever. But I I, call, I but he was wrestling a different style. He was yeah. a Bruiser and Smackmouth style. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. um, that's kind of, that main event came together very easy, mm-hmm. really and truly. Um, I mean, uh, speaking about like that, but I don't think it's hard to convey how big a deal that was. To, like people who were watching Corpus, mm-hmm. and that was like. You know, fucking Hogan joining the NWO or like <laughs> Cena turning heel. It was like Ricky Combat. It got the biggest. It was oh insane. shit moment that I've ever seen. Like. I, I genuinely like if you had a camera on me, it would have looked like fucking the Undertaker streak had ended. I had my hands on my head like what? Like was Ricky receptive to that idea? Or oh yeah, was he wanted. It oh yeah, no, hundred percent. We were very open. We, we like um, Ricky was was involved a little bit in the booking side of things at the very early days. Mm-hmm. Because um, myself and Luke kind of didn't, didn't didn't think we knew what we were doing a little bit. We were a little bit nervous about trying to please everyone yeah. as well at the very start. Mm. We were a little bit nervous about being liked by everybody as well. If we're being very honest, I mean, four years later, it's going to be very fucking different. <laughs> but it was. It was like, oh shit, we can't be Lee. We can't be CCW. We got to have this thing. Oh yeah, no, you, let's do everything that everybody wanted. Do you know what I mean? But to be fair, when we sat down with Ricky, we we're like, okay, we got to change your character. We got to change your name. How do we do it? And I came up with this spot for the bottle. I was like. That no one will see this coming, man. Mm. And it was really good. And him and Terry had a really good feud, and they had a really good main event a couple of months later on. Um, um, yeah, and 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 like if Ricky hadn't, um, if I'd say if Ricky hadn't taken a break that time, he'd just have been, he'd still be involved. But look, uh, yeah. that's 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 your here and there. Yeah, he has two little kids yeah. now, two little girls, so uh, they probably take up a lot of a lot of his time. If you're listening, Ricky, big shout out, boy. <laughs> Seize the day, Ricky. <laughs> If we're going to talk about the main event of the first show, it seems only right that we hear from the only man who can claim he was in the first Phoenix main event and the last one. That's right. You should take a drink for some Phoenix trivia right there. But only one man has that bragging right, and that is the Temple Bar bad boy, detached Terry Thatcher. 
I have some pretty fond memories of working with Phoenix Wrestling. Yeah, it was just, it was a lot of fun, especially considering where it was coming from after, you know, everything with CCW. Uh, like I had worked for CCW in the early in the early stages, and you know I enjoyed it at the time. Um, but after I took some time away from CCW, I came back a few years later, and uh, the vibe had completely changed. And the the local wrestlers down there it just seemed like they they just weren't enjoying it anymore. So when when CCW uh, closed his doors and all, I was uh, I was delighted to see the lads pick it up and uh, start Phoenix. Yeah, I was uh, I was delighted for them because they needed a scene, and it was uh, it was good for for not only them but for the fans as well in the Monster region. Um, yeah, it was just it was a. Uh, a lot of positivity around around Phoenix when it when it started up. Uh, I enjoyed my time there. Um, my only kind of regrets about Phoenix is that I wasn't involved more, uh, especially considering how my my run there started. I mean, working the main event of the four show and winning the main event and the whole storyline then with myself and Ricky Graham. With you know the bottle smashing and the subsequent the two big matches that happened afterwards, they were I really really enjoyed my run with with Ricky. Uh, it's a shame that um he didn't uh, he didn't stick around, but you know life gets in the way as as it does for all of us. But um yeah no it was it was it was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of positivity in the locker room it was. A really, really uh, close knit locker room, um, and yeah, I really enjoyed all of my time there. Uh, I loved the travels up and down. It was hard for me personally, as uh, as a family man, just to to take time away from the family. But I was, uh, I felt like I was helping out in some way, in whatever small small way I could. I was helping out. Uh, a fledgling scene, for lack of a better term, um. But yeah, I'm, I'm good that that Phoenix is gone. I really am, uh, cause yeah, the, the Munster region really deserves to have representation, um. And I'm I'm really really hopeful now that the guys and girls down there they continue continue walking they continue you know living the dream um i think and i just he said it best as well about you know when it's not fun that's when you need to step away and all your respect to the bedlam you know it's it wasn't fun for him anymore so he stepped away uh it's a shame that phoenix is gone but Again, hopeful now that the the monster scene and the talent and the fans will still have uh, will still have an avenue to be involved in the Irish wrestling scene because uh, they deserve it. 
that's a little bit of emotion listening to Terry's words there to be fair mm-hmm. um, it really is like because I mean um, it's hard to put into to, like it's, it's, it's a hard that's a hard message, message to listen to really yeah um, he was, this is before that the, we know that the dream is going to stay alive. Yeah. I, sh- I should say that all the messages that were here were recorded were recorded before Rebel County became a thing so um, you know there was every message you had would came at a point where you know, we were at a low point where they weren't sure mm-hmm. what the future was, but it was all phrasing the time that hope in the future. Yeah. I mean, we know the future is is definitely in good hands. So, you know. Yeah, well, just on that, I mean, I, like when I did step away from Phoenix, and it was a lot. Of, it was an emotionally charged time, but like I had no, I I genuinely didn't envision myself coming back, especially so soon. I really didn't. I I, I don't think anybody envisioned. Anything. It was just such a uh, what's going to happen now. Just yeah. wait and see. I need to. I just need to get away quickly and and reassess things. And I had to be separated and blah 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 and whatever whatever decisions I made, I stand over them. I stand over. I think fe- the way things were going, Phoenix had to end, the entity, the whole lot of it, um, and the responsibility of 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 that. I think I'd let Phoenix get out of control. To be fair, in relation to the the size of the shows, they were what they become. Um, I think the the the. the the ship or the train had left the station a couple of shows before that if you know what I mean I just wasn't really enjoying it to Terry's point but um, you can you know I'm hopefully 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 I've learned from things that I probably shouldn't have done towards the last uh, the last year it's it's, a, it's not an easy job doing all this on your own like um, it really isn't um, and after Luke um, f- for his own reasons I bought out Luke maybe just before Covid um, and then kind of had to keep the whole ship on my own, afloat. Do you know what I mean? During COVID times and all that kind of stuff. So the strain was there. Mm-hmm. Am I ready to like to to step back into that with RCW? I'll be honest with you. Time will tell. Like I sold the ring. I donated the the rest of the, the money for the ring to charity to a, a great cause for my buddy's um, uh, memorial there for Marymount Hospice only two weeks ago. I have no ties. I don't know anybody anything. I don't have a school. I know nothing. I'm just putting on shows. I'm going to be like Cork's Jamie Coleman for our NLW. <laughs> just put on a show and see what happens. Yeah. But um, I hope, hopefully, hopefully, um, I'm hoping. I'd like. To, obviously, I want to work with Terry Thatcher again and Debbie and all the the, the, the great people that worked with us mm-hmm. down through the years. But um, that's it's it's. I'm somebody's. Somebody's is going to be hard to listen to. I won't like that. A little bit still yeah. conflicted about the way Phoenix ended and whatnot. But look, I suppose we just have to be positive and move forward. You know and. Um, yeah, I I hope to see Terry Thatcher in an RCW ring in the future. You know? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like anything that's been reflected in anything so far, um, for every message we've gotten, regardless of you know whatever the future holds, the legacy you've left behind in Cork Wrestling already stands to itself. You know, like everyone here has already said it, and it's absolutely true. Is that where Cork Wrestling was at? You know, it wasn't worth the fucking ground it was built on. Like, mm. and now it's gone to a level where. If nothing else, wherever the next step goes, it's at a much healthier place than it was. Yeah, you know. We, but we've great talent. I mean, exactly. I I want like I I helped sure, but mm-hmm. like the guy here to my right, Dino Power, oh, yeah. it was instrumental in in Phoenix in the last year since post COVID, especially mm-hmm. since we really started pushing pushing selling out shows in in the Kino twice and in Circus Factory, I believe twice. Mm-hmm. Do you know? I mean, uh, to be fair, I mean yourself and Butch of One Night Stand were, were amazing. Yeah. Were amazing matches, promos. You, you, I've never seen anyone so enthusiastic. Uh, Matt Schuyler, Raven Creed. 
Uh, Rudin O'Connor emerged uh, as a real talent in Cork. Sam Desham, Mr. Charlie. Do you want to pop Mr. Charlie again? Mr. Charlie, and I like, this is I'm, on record, the most over yeah. man in the history of Phoenix. He like, was Phoenix. I'm, I'm sure. only a facilitator at this point. No, somebody do, does need to facilitate him mm, and, 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 and buy the canvas that we're looking at. There's a red canvas out there that arrived today for RCW. <laughs> but like, Cork wrestling is about all of us. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but yourself as well. Like, and, mm. and you're part, part of it. Justy did a great job as the ambassador with the heavyweight belt Debbie did a great job Anita Vaughan the saviors everybody everybody that ever came into a Phoenix ring yeah. it helped elevate this promotion that was one of the immediate thoughts I had when like when I first knew that Phoenix was closed when I heard that I wasn't um, there was no worry do you know what I mean I wasn't mm-hmm. worried for everybody I was like well yeah. we're all good like we're we're going to whatever happens yeah. we're going to be okay I kind of felt like I remember when CCW you know when it looked like CCW was going to go before Phoenix was a thing I was like I don't know where all these people are going to go. Yeah. But it did feel like people that were performing in Cork that stage, people kind of looked down on it. And I think over the last few years with Phoenix and that stuff, people that maybe hadn't been given uh, a look beforehand got a proper yeah. platform. Yeah, and sure. they just realised that the talent was always there. Yeah. And that's kind of... Um, you know, I think Mr. Charlie is the prime example of that. 100%. Look at see and look at Phoenix like Jesus yeah. yeah I mean I should say by the way um, I've blocked Mr. Charlie on all social media <laughs> he doesn't have my number he tried to send me a message I'm sure I blocked him he, it's, it's not getting played Tom you're getting stuff. a bit emotional now about and, Mr. Charlie you know, well, he scares the fuck out of me man Jesus Christ like Hi Tom Mr. Charlie has your number sorry it seems like I've gotten some some weird interference there apologies so looking back at that again, we're spending a good bit of time on the first show, but I think it, it's very appropriate. I mean, a lot of the messages coming in from from fans themselves. You know, I have a message here from uh, Andrew O'Byrne who has said loads of stuff, but he pointed out that basically it was like everyone supporting Monster Wrestling. It was like we've got this, and that the future of, of Cork Wrestling was in good hands, and that was that was evidence that night. If you could change anything, Bedlam, was there anything you would change about the first show? Looking back, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe the seating plan. Um, <laughs> very fancy chairs, if I remember right. Yeah, we try, I don't know what I was trying to do. I was trying to do this v proper sit down area up the top. I didn't. I didn't. I generally didn't think we were going to get that much of a draw. But some panic around the place. Um, I was in my gear, like trying to arrange. Again, I think I might have been sitting on Mister Charlie's shoulders. Trying to arrange <laughs> seats around the place and just like I, I wasn't. I don't think I was announced for the show, but I was on the poster, so I was probably obvious that I was going to be there. You know. But anyway. We will go into uh, the second show very, very briefly because the second show has some interesting kind of um, first appearances. Uh, we, so we had Oops, we did it again the following month in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, first session mock appearance of Phoenix. Yeah. One. First appearance from Amy Lanzi and Katie Harvey, uh, who all kind of played their own part in yep. Phoenix and the Empress Tournament. Speaking of, let's hear from both halves of Fight Factory. They are, of course, Mr. Small Package Phil Boyd and the Queen of Irish Wrestling, Katie Harvey. Hey, Katie Harvey here, <laughs> just talking about my favourite Phoenix memories. And um, it's a bit of a funny one for me because for the four years Phoenix was in existence, um, I was actually either injured or pregnant for three of them. And um, so I suppose I did get to wrestle a few matches in the beginning for them. But my journey with Phoenix has mostly been as, as a referee for the Empress title. Um, I was supposed to be a big part of the Empress tournament to crown the first champion and obviously broke my arms and had to withdraw. Um, but I'll always appreciate the lads giving me the refereeing spot for the title match as a way of keeping me involved um, and as a way of kind of like giving a little nod to me having to give up my place. And then, of course, I ref the last Empress match uh, between Anita Vaughan and Debbie Keitel as well. Um, so it's really nice to have been a part of that title's lineage, even in some small way. 
Um, definitely my personal favorite memory of Phoenix. And then I suppose from a Fight Factory point of view, um, the, the, the work we've done with Phoenix in the last six months to a year has just meant so much to myself, Phil and our entire club. Um, you know, like Billy Bedlam has gone above and beyond to help make Fight Factory shows be the best shows they can be, whether it's, you know, helping us out with, with technical things or simply just being there for manpower or, you know, stepping in whatever role is needed um, on, on show day. And also giving our trainees a chance on his shows as well. Um, it's the only way the scene grows is, is for people to help each other. So I suppose, you know, that's a great legacy Phoenix has left in only four years. Um, they were an extremely positive uh, influence on the Irish wrestling scene. And that's what I'll remember it for. My name is Phil Boyd. Uh, I've been wrestling for 20 years now in the Irish scene. So when you think about Phoenix, even though they say it's only four years, it's such a small time in Irish wrestling history. But what they were able to achieve for the four years, or what I should say with the, with the core group down there. And what Billy did well was that he got, he got a lot of people behind it. I wasn't a big fan of Cork wrestling when during the CCW days I thought it was badly run and disorganised but I tell you once I actually got down to Phoenix wrestling and the way Billy ran things and the excitement he had at his shows not just with like not just with the fans but with the guys in the back um, it really got me invested from the heartbeat from the heartbeat the second I got down there um, I also found that like they were had stuff for me that you know when I went to some places, they just want me to wrestle. But Phoenix, Phoenix pulled me aside, like Luke Barty and 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 Billy Bellum, telling me that they wanted me to go into a field with a boxer. They wanted me to be the biggest heel in Limerick, and like, okay, COVID hit and it put a two year dampener on that. But that night, um, I can't remember the location, but uh, that night when me and Graham McCormick went head to head. Like the energy in that room was unbelievable. Like the best energy I've, I've felt in a long time. And even when we fast forward two years later, when it's me and Dino Power, um, like the energy in that room was fantastic. I actually went up to Billy one day and said, and after the show and said, like, this is much better than what Fight Factory are doing right now. I said, like, and I want to get this up in Dublin. And in fairness, with Billy's help and what he's done with us for the last six months, I felt like we've got that. So I tell you, I'll always say, like, it's been a great, run for me and a great one for Fight Factory to have that connection with Phoenix and they're going to be sorely missed going forward. So I suppose, you know, speaking about, about other promotions, I mean, certainly uh, kind of coming out of lockdowns, it felt like the, the relationship between Fight Factory and Titanic and Phoenix was really, really strengthened and it was kind of a case of a rising tide mm. raises all ships. Can you talk a bit about uh, the relationship between uh, the other promotions on the island they had? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know how it kind of just started it's going to start organically i think post lockdown and whatnot right and um um and and i just think we were we just ended up being like i was i was always been a big advocate for for lj cleary and a couple of others and you know i think um and the savers and whatnot and i started to uh, maybe um train in dublin a little bit because i was moving up there i was working up there and myself and jay money we'd spending a lot of time with each other and um we was I was starting to get booked in Titanic as well, um, and I had an idea for Titanic to work with Phoenix from an invasion perspective, and uh, we were kind of fight fight factory was kind of involved to to a certain degree as well, and I think 
what, where it really kind of cemented was when Phil came down, I think, for a couple of shows, and um, we started to, to kind of, you know, hang out a little bit, and um, it just organically grew. We were like, "Fuck it, let's do that. Let's do this." And we had ideas. And then when I moved to Dublin as well, I was helping out. With, uh, like they were Fight Factory were putting on some shows, and one of my strong points, and I'd be pretty bullish about this, is my production, my mind for production. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As in how a show should look. Mm-hmm. Like I spent a, I spent a fortune on stuff yeah. during lockdown for the, drip. for the oh my god uh-huh. for the gym that I'm still fucking paying for three hundred quid a month I'll be doing that I've, I've half it paid the off studio. for the another studio, two years by my breaks my heart every month anyway so I had all this stuff and and uh, I heard Phil and Katie were doing a, were going doing it in their own place and I was like look do you want, do you mind if I help or not do you mind if I help I can help you and I I have lights and I have this and I have that and I'm not using them anywhere else so let's do it so we kind of just. You know, just by by pure being around each other, and the company started working together more closely, mm-hmm. and then we started booking the shows right after each other, so we could share talent. It was just it was it just started to organically grow into a great working relationship, and a lot of people from Cork because I didn't have a school in Cork anymore. Uh, there was one in Limerick, but a lot of guys felt their training would be better suited if they went to Dublin rather than Limerick, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, Anita Vaughan was going to Dublin all the time, and look at her now; she's absolutely flying. Mm-hmm. Um, Reardon O'Connor was going up there, but Armstrong. Then they started getting booked as well, and it it's just started growing into a great relationship. And just to go back to Phil's point there, um, it was always a pleasure working with Phil too, and I'm sure we will continue that. Um, I the stuff he did with Graham McCormack in in Limerick, the the stuff he did with Steve and and Graham on the first show rather than the second show in in Dolan's warehouse was amazing. I thought we were going to get literally kicked the shit kicked out of us in Limerick. Like he's such a good heel, such a good worker, and and um. Kind of, we had some ideas, and he was like, "Well, okay, that's great. What about this?" Blah blah blah. And then the return match, and COVID really fucked that one up for us. But when we did eventually get the payoff, like the boxing match, Phil went up above and beyond with, uh, "Let's do this, let's do that." But he was full of ideas and going, uh, going to the, bar, the 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 restaurant where Graham couldn't get served. And just this, the smallest details, man, is is where you kind of where you see someone who's wrestling twenty years, like you know. Yeah. What I mean? But it was um and 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 um that was great. And the rest of my shit against you was always yeah, was that was class. Like a really good yeah. memory for me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you got to hear sort of really different style with that match as well. I thought it was quite yeah, and like I think that was my first match with kind of like someone that established. Mm. Yeah. I think yeah. That, correct. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was like a whole different feeling playing the match. Like fucking talk about holes I never heard it before, and even just like we were taught like Phil had already in the ring. By the time I was like, oh, my music's playing. Mm. I don't even think we were fully done talking about it. And we just went out there and just wrestled, you know what I mean? And talked to each other. Yeah, yeah looking at that match, I felt you really grew up as a performer that night. Yeah. Um, you really graduated into the into the un, un like undroppable type of scenario for me anyway. Um, like I'd always find a place for you in our shows. Like and, and that I think that match in particular was something that cemented that for me anyway, because you're out there with Phil Boyd. It's a good test for you, like, and and uh, he was very complimentary of you afterwards, you know. So, if you look at the RCW poster, you would see Cade and Phil on it. And um, to be fair, right after, right after Phoenix closed, they were so nice to me. Like, I was in a bit of an emotional spot, like, and they were like, I went up and we had a chat, and they were like, you, they were like, you're part of our crew, like, you know, you'll always have a spot here on the show, if, like, to do anything, whatever, you know. It was, it's just. They're a great. They're a great bunch of people up there. They really, I can't say speak highly enough for them. And the Titanic dressing room as well is is uh, yeah. Like you know that yourself. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. you've been all around Ireland, you know, since maybe Phoenix. How do you find like the relationship uh, and the kind of crossover between all those? I was so like it's heartwarming. Like before in CCW, there was kind of none of that really. Was there into promotional no, kind no, of it stuff? Was, it would have been um, it would have been frowned upon by Lee. He would it was have, always it was always us and them. There always seemed to be a separation, but like 
in the last couple of years of Phoenix, it started to really feel like that they weren't even separate companies. Obviously, oh, yeah. they are individual companies in their own respect, but you know what I mean? Just, like, there yeah. was just Irish wrestling and it's all helping each other and working together, especially yeah. after COVID. That was one of the good things to come for that, like this kind of sense of community and, yeah. you know, the wrestlers, we have to help each other to make this I mean, thing work. It was so awesome that there would be weekends where it would be like Fight Factory Friday, yeah. Phoenix yeah. on Saturday, yeah. Titanic yeah. on Sunday. I was like, that is yeah. so fucking cool. And then the co-promote, like we were just about to co-promote a big show in Dublin as well with Eric mm-hmm. Redbeard. Um, well, RCW is still going to be co-promoting co- promote that show, by the way, right? Um, uh, we need to sit That's down. The announcement. We need to sit down and have a <laughs> chat about that. But um, no, they're a great bunch of people, and I, to be honest with you, I don't know how I would have reacted to listening to those messages if I wasn't going to continue mm-hmm. in wrestling. I would probably have stopped. Yeah. I think I would have stopped. I don't think I would have been able to for that. Mm. Um, I will give you a little segment. This this is going to probably be a two part podcast, by the way. I would imagine it, it it's not be, three parts. Could be. Um, when I decided, okay, I wasn't going to step away, but I was going to come back in a different fucking capacity, right, was on a road trip with Matt Skyler, this, my, this man to my right, Dino, Butch Armstrong, and CBL. I was not. You weren't there. You were I supposed had. to be. COVID! That's right, you were supposed to be. <laughs> my apologies. That's why, yeah, that's how good the will is that I'm there when I'm not there. Yeah, you <laughs> I'll be there next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we were we, that's right, but sorry, uh, apologies about but anyway, we were up in we were up in um we did the whole Titanic trip yeah. to Derry and the and uh, and Belfast and it was just so nice to be in, in the locker room. It was the right time it was about two or three weeks after after the after it. And I was like, fuck, I like this, I like this, come around. I still love the camera. I knew that myself though, you know, you said you were done and then it was like he's going up there to the North of Wrestle, he's gonna get the bug again. Like you know? it wasn't even the bug though. I was like, okay, well what's gonna happen now? Right? I know we're gonna be segueing all this podcast between Phoenix and RCW, but it's so relevant. Yeah. Um, especially since we just put tickets on sale today. Boom boom. boom. But like yeah. it's like, what are we gonna do? I was like, I I, I, fe- I still felt right or wrong a responsibility to Cork Wrestling, okay? And I was like if no one else is, and I was trying, I was trying my best to fucking go to you and Skyler. Would you not just fucking, would you not rent the ring and you can use my insurance and all of that? But like, you, like whatever, um, you see, I, I still have all the contacts in the keynote and the circus factory and whatnot. And I think I'm still best placed to probably run the promotion. Mm. However, I'm setting up RCW with a view to handing this off to the next generation of guys like him next, next to me in the next whatever year to 18 months when I do actually have to fuck off eventually. Um, uh, take a CEO role or something within the company but um, no all jokes aside I mean I think the scene the boys and girls here in Cork deserve it the fans deserve it we couldn't leave we couldn't leave it empty That's, we the fans leave deserve that it really especially the fans they deserve yeah. it they're, they're the, the ones people, that pay they're the ones that come in there's door. people like um, like family members I had family members come to shows and stuff but mm. people well, I didn't lower that into it as soon as it was announced you know the Phoenix was done they were like oh When's the next show? Though you know what I mean. Like yeah. they were like they were a bit like they were freaking out. Like you know? I mean, it's like it, it sounds very cliche to say this when I say like the fans are like family, but like the amount of people that they go are, to yeah. shows, you know their names, you see them like once yeah. a month. We like I, me of all people, we I signed two fucking baby rows at the last. Yeah, that's show. right. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Like it's it's crazy. So yeah. but my yeah, buddies as well. Uh, I I bet like they they all go some of them. They they go for the social side of it as well, but now they're into wrestling. Yeah, and um, I was chatting to one of them and. I was pouring up my heart, and he didn't give a fuck. He was like, "But what's up? But who's going to run the shows?" And I'm like, well, "What about me?" And he was like, yeah. "Whatever. Who? What about the wrestling shows?" I was like, "Fuck." So um, yeah, that's kind of one of the one of the, the that's when the seeds were set, I suppose, to to maybe not leave. <laughs> well, Bedlam, I'm glad you didn't leave. Although, unfortunately, we have to leave it right there. 
Ugh, I don't know how Jericho does these awkward-ass transitions. Look, that's the end of episode one. We're going to be back next Friday with episode two, where we talk about the insanity of trying to put on a show after Courage collapses in about three days, the imports that Phoenix Nesting never managed to get, and things get a little bit emotional around here. Until then, if you're looking for wrestling action, be sure to get those tickets on eventbrite.e for the next show from Rebel County Wrestling. And if you enjoy this podcast, please give us a positive rating on Spotify and subscribe. Until then, I'll see you next Friday. Remember, I've been your cult leader, Tom Pod, and I can't spell cult without you. It's been a while now that You're listening.